I didn't um I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. No? You have to forgive me. I'm feeling a little bit drained. Drained? Okay. Christina had to work really early this morning, so she got up as she normally does on Saturdays. Was downstairs for 15-20 minutes and was was quite upset. She came back upstairs and she woke me up and she's like just crazy stuff going on outside. I'm like what's happening? And she's like there's moose is hitting the house. And I was like it's rain, dear. Oh my god. You're listening to What's That Noise, the podcast that pursues matters of confusion and clarity, however and whatever that means. Oh. Did I get you? Totally. And it was funny. As soon as you said the moose was hitting that, there's a moose hitting the house. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Didn't even see it coming. You blindsided me with that one, you knucklehead. You know, you're quite good at getting the, the ball rolling with your, your puns. Okay. And I told myself, you're not going to do it today. It's my turn. Okay. Well, but do yeah. you have one? Uh, it doesn't make sense if, if well, I ask I think you. I, you know what? It's funny. Like, I, I want to say that we've opened 10 shows with a pun. I was hoping one, in la- one would make you laugh. Unfortunately, no pun intended. <laughs> I got it in there. I like it. <laughs> Welcome back to What's That Noise, friends, the podcast that pursues matters of confusion and clarity, however and whatever that means. Ever since Al came back on the show, I've been really focused on trying to find a way Everything good? Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Okay. Al was pointing at a... No, I sorry. I was gesturing like, go on. Yes, ever okay. since I did what now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was pointing at like an audio box on the table, which right. is how we control the volume for our headphones. Right. And I was like, is there something broken? Yeah. <laughs> so you're just telling me <laughs> to keep talking. We're, we're about 30... Se- <laughs> how rude. 30, 30 feet or 30 feet. We're about 30 centimeters away from each other. And I'm sitting there. Oh, I can't hear a word you're saying. I have no solution to this problem. Oh, no, I can... <laughs> Either take off the headphones or turn them up. Those are my two solutions. <laughs> <laughs> so as you can tell, the show is about confusion and trying to find some clarity. Ever since uh, Al came back on the show, I've been really interested in trying to make that clear. And it's always a struggle. I spend a lot of my free time thinking about how do you do a podcast on noise? Right. And I, th- I think it's pretty clear to most people that we, we try to talk about things that are kind of on the edge of, of understanding what happens when somebody encounters something unusual right. or something confusing or something ambiguous? And, and, and the catalyst for this, I think it's worth pointing out that you defended your, your thesis successfully. And, and the thesis was how noise uh, will affect um, kind of a message type thing. Uh, and I know you're, you're sitting there going, no, Al, that wasn't. The, <laughs> I'm really simplifying this whole thing. But one example would be if people were trying to have a big secret discussion, the place that they would go to is the center of a market where there would be noise all around them so they couldn't be heard. And you can have a private conversation. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of theory out there in the world in communication studies, yeah. for example, about, you know, how noise affects communication, how noise affects messages and, and information, stuff like that. And, and, and that's all fine and well. I think what I focused on more selfishly in my, my doctorate was like, what role does noise play in privacy and protecting data? Right. Can you use noise to deflect access? Yes, absolutely. That's what encryption is. Right. When you you basically take something you don't want somebody to access, you you shroud it in a whole bunch of garbage, garbage integers and numbers and measurements. That way, other systems can't can't find it. Right. What is basically arguing in my research, which is what I didn't want to talk about today. But I know. Here we, we are. Here we like, are. People can do this too. There, there are cool grassroots communities online that that develop their own neat little algorithms and techniques, and mm. they even do things like the virtual equivalent of putting on sunglasses to protect information and, and their identity and, mm. and the internet. And so, you know, you spend all this time over the years thinking about noise and and confusion, and you, you build it into a podcast. And so, when you came back on the show, I, I thought it was a really great opportunity to get more specific. And the thing that's been really speaking to me is like. When somebody encounters something confusing, when they encounter a noise, or say it's in their profession mm-hmm. or in their line of work, mm-hmm. when, when your, your people run up against the edge of thinking, right. what do you do? That's, <laughs> run away <laughs> and hide. That, that's, that's what I, when I say, what's that noise? That's what I'm really interested in, is like right. the, those question marks around the encounters that you don't quite know what to deal with, because there's a lot of confusion and ambiguity there, but, but also tapping into like the feeling of it talking about the experience of what it's like to be in that space. 
What kind of relationships do you develop with yourself and with the people around you? What kinds of insights and, and pieces of knowledge do you come up with when you're in these tension-filled, confusion-laden uh, spaces and environments? I right. think they're quite productive. Right, yeah. Uh, you, you know, there's the... Um, uh uh, what's really interesting is I, I, I'm I'm reading a book right now, and it keeps referencing another very popular book called "Don't Sweat the Small Stuff," and the whole philosophy and the whole theory mm. behind it all is life can be very simple, but the details are the noise around it that kind of keeps you from from that path, right? And and you know the, the the noise we're using that word figuratively, obviously or metaphorically, where we we kind of say. All right, so I'm trying to get from my house to Tom's house to record a podcast. Very simple. I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive to Tom's house. I got to stop for coffee. There's 15 people in line for coffee. Do I go in? Do I not go in? Do I order off the app? Do I not go in, uh, order off the app? That's my iced the, coffee. The iced Thank coffee. you, sir. Yeah, eventually we got there. All right. So now all of a sudden, instead of it just being me going to Tom's house, I'm now dealing with all of these little details that are around there that if I let sweat, I haven't even made it to the Tim Hortons yet and I'm already angry, right? Right. And then you sit there and you say, okay, now I'm going to make a right-hand turn onto Springbank. All right. Well, these cars are now driving 80 in a 60 zone and it's dangerous <laughs> And, you, you know, yeah. uh, the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is, is of course, that, you know, the, the, the word noise that we're using are just kind of all of these little things that distract us from what these, these, the purpose of a goal or a journey is. Yeah. What a fascinating way of putting it. It reminds me of a conversation you and I had when we were uh, planning to work together back in September of 2020. Yeah. We were on a, I was on a hiatus as I shared in previous episodes, I was working at the privacy commissioner's office in the province of Ontario. And when you're in a position like that, it's important to really be careful of what it is that you're engaging in a, in a public way because the, the information that I was working on was very sensitive. And I, I take a high road. I take a safe approach. And so anyways, back to the point, September 2020, we started having these conversations. And, and what you just said reminded me of, of one of those things that we talked about. It was like how uh, without objects and without information, without people having language to communicate with one another, all we have is noise. Mm. All Wonderful existence yeah. is just chaos and messiness. And so this- Very this, atheist of you. No, <laughs> and it wasn't me. No, it was, it was Michel Serres, this, yeah, this yeah. French philosopher. And, and he said this in, uh, I think it was Genesis or Parasite, which inspired a lot of my doctoral work, which I should be able to remember after five years, but I don't. Anyways, he's, he just basically said, like, the whole purpose of us existing is to get rid of noise. Mm. And I disagree with him. I, I I do think, like, that's why we have science and math and and maybe even we, we do yoga. but. Uh, noise is really insightful. Noise is, is mm -hmm. a, a place where we feel uncomfortable, but we can develop deep bonds and we can develop really deep insights. And so what I've been particularly grateful for since you came back on the show is that we can really drill down on these things and it's becoming clearer and clearer to me. And I just find it so fascinating, you know, after doing the show really for three years that I still wrestle oh, yeah. with the objective. Do you, do you know what? It's funny. Somebody had given me years and years and years ago um, a philosophy book on, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember the topic. Uh, it, it doesn't really matter. It's probably, a, a, you know, Kierkegaard or, uh, yeah. or, or, or something along those lines where we're even reading it after reading it, you go, what the hell was that? <laughs> right. And I remember yeah. looking over at this guy who's, you know, one of these great philosophical people. And, and I remember looking over and saying, why are you giving me this? This doesn't make sense. And, uh, he started to laugh. He goes, but that's the point. It does. Yeah. And you're well, no, it doesn't, you know, but that's the point. It does. And then you sit there and say, okay, so there's a meaning behind it. Now it's my job to wrestle with this. And uh, I've used that, uh, uh, you know, I, I made a joke about being, uh, uh, you know, what an atheist comment it is. I, I uh, joined the Catholic religion uh, two years ago. I've been going to church, um, well, ever since I started uh, dating my wife. Um, but I joined Catholicism. And uh, the people that were bringing me through Catholicism gave me this beautiful book by a gentleman named Bishop Robert Barron. His real name is Robert Barron. His title is Bishop. Um, but at any rate, uh, he's a philosophical background and looks at the Bible as this huge philosophical wrestling of good versus evil, of what is figurative and what is not and what is literal and what is not and uh, and 
then if it's if it's literal, why is this part literal almost becomes a wrestling, right? And uh, he's got, you know, he he's uh, you read the Gospels and then off to the side, you say, here's the philosophy that implied this and here's what the philosophy was at the time and and everything. And uh, it, it's really kind of helped me understand that, like just like you pointed out, when we have all of this noise, there is some sort of an order to it all, or there is at least some sort of a, a necessity to it all. And it's kind of our job to sit down and wrestle with all of this all right, so what are these noises meaning? Why Why is, if so, if you're going to say that they're relevant, the opposite of the gentleman you quoted, <laughs> uh, uh, if you're going to say that they're, they are relevant, then what is the relevance becomes the, the, the wrestling, right? And then you're never at ease because it's sure. constantly noise. For sure. Right? And I think this is really interesting. Michelle, Sarah, if you were still alive, might respond in saying, well, you know, if, if noise stays as noise, it, it, it isn't information. Noise objectively or as an object, is just noise. It's not information. It's the opposite. It's Again, this is where we disagree because I <laughs> what think... What does he know? Yeah, what the hell does he know? He's just a French philosopher, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, the Noise transforms into things, but even if it stays as that, it's not as though it doesn't evoke feelings. It does. It's not as though it doesn't evoke curiosity and confusion. And those things become catalysts mm. into new ways of thinking and feeling about the world. When you're talking about that author, what you'd actually reminded me of uh, was a time that I really wrestled with a piece of literature. Aside from Michelle Sarah, because I definitely right, right, wrestled I was just with him say, too. Here we go again. Yeah, all right. Yeah. David Foster Wallace. Oh wow! The late yeah. David Foster Wallace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Infinite Jest is one of my favorite pieces of literature ever. And I, I don't know if if people listening right now have read it. I really encourage you to check it out. Uh, the best review I ever read of uh, that book said this: "You're not going to figure it out. <laughs> it is like French <laughs> philosophy." <laughs> But they said it, it works, though. It works somehow. But you, you don't, like, open up the book to the first page and then get through the index and start reading. It, do, right. it doesn't work like that. Right. What, what the review said was this. Uh, Infinite Jest is like a spaceship. Right. It works, but nobody knows how. <laughs> Spaceships work most of the time, unless you're one of, like, Elon Musk's uh, right, right, right. spaceships that tend to blow up. But, you know, um, David Foster Wallace, and this is the last piece before you actually get into a more specific conversation, but... He, he had this really, really beautiful uh, convocation speech that he gave before he died called This Is Water. And in that speech, he said something to the effect of that uh, the purpose of thinking heavily about anything is to be able to consciously choose how to perceive other people, mm. to think about meaning and to act appropriately in everyday life when you do those kinds of things. Wow. I think he's also talking about high education. Well, but yeah. his his point <laughs> as, is that it would be fitting at a convocation. It, but yes. it's a tough thing to do, and I don't think that's exclusive to high education. Yeah, but you are an educator, and you never used to be an educator. And this is what mm. I want to talk to you about today. We don't have a guest today. This is just Al and I shooting the poop. It's summertime. It can be busy to get guests on. We're really looking forward to having a number of really really cool people come up. And I'm really but really now you're stuck with me. Now I'm stuck with yeah. you. <laughs> but you know what? I'm I'm gonna sidetrack before we get into talking about like the confusion of making a, a considerable professional change. Okay. A lot of people have been doing this in the pandemic, so I yeah. think they're going to learn a lot from you well, about how you got through your change from the broadcasting industry into education. Right. I want to acknowledge for everybody quickly that there has been a bit of tension with another podcaster out there who runs a podcast with the exact same name. It's called What's That Noise? Question mark, exclamation mark. The issue stems back to January around the time that, that Al and I launched our new show together, as you re remember from a few moments ago, Al and I started talking about relaunching the show in September of 2020 when we had about an eight-month gap. Or I had, a, I had basically an eight-month gap in, in doing my own show. So we spent the fall coming together, and then we relaunched, and I spent a lot of time trying to like figure out how to bring in more listeners. And we've got a small listener base of very, very dedicated, loyal people that we absolutely love. Thank you so much for tuning in all the time when right. we have something yeah. to say. I wanted to see what it would be like to get a few more people. And, and in my initial discovery, I came across another podcast called What's That Noise? Question mark, exclamation mark. And I remember telling you about it. So I reached out to this host and I, I was genuinely intrigued how that came to be. Right. What's That Noise is a pretty specific name. And it's one that took me quite a long time to come up with. And and what, what I will also say is I remember that initial phone call because it was not a 
quite the opposite of a troll. It was an excitement that you had. It was like, uh, there's another what's that noise? Yeah. we got to find out what this is. What's going I, on? I thought it would be a cool opportunity to collaborate with this guy. And, and so I reached out to him in, in excitement and, and curiosity, like a little bit of confusion too, like right. in the best, ex, most excited way I could, I could emphasize, right? Right. You have a show called What's That Noise? Let's collaborate. Let's talk. Let's get on each other's show. And then I didn't hear from him for some time. And I reached back uh, again to follow up. And, and the reason why I did it the second time was because I was now more invested in trying to promote the show. And I got on this this platform that creates like audiograms of your podcast, which essentially takes like little snippets of a show, puts it into a little audio file that you can stick on Twitter so you can promote your content. Oh, cool. But I couldn't actually register our show inside of the platform because his show was coming up before ours. Oh. And this light went off and it said to me, what could be a potential problem here is that listeners from one show might be getting redirected to the other, which isn't really that big of a deal. But it, it sort of reminded me that what could be at stake here is is what to do with the name. And uh, I have a lot of pride and, and excitement uh, that I've put into this name because I spent so much time developing it. I actually started developing the name What's That Noise back in 2017. The first time it became a trademark, actually, with my name was when I published my, my doctoral thesis, which is called What's That Noise, and it's uh, registered with the federal government. Like, you can look up my name, Thomas Cook, What's That Noise, and mm -hmm. you will find my doctoral dissertation. Mm -hmm. But then I launched the podcast in 2018, and this other podcaster launched his show in 2019. And so ever, ever since I reached out to him in that second time, things have just kind of fallen apart and he's become quite angry and resentful. He's, he's accused us of trolling him. He's threatened us. He said that he's told us to watch out, that he's going to launch a counter action and send all of his listeners to our pages to harass us. His show has subsequently been removed from Apple Podcasts because it violates her common law trademark rights. He's uh, said on his show recently that we're not nice people. He, well, you're an asshole. But I am. I'm okay. I am a bit of an asshole at times. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> anyways, he um he is he's basically, you know he he's he's constructed an image about who we are, which is not true. He's he's cherry picked a few things about our show which are not accurate. He thinks the show is about sound, so he's obviously never listened to it before. Right. So he doesn't know the backstory about how and you and I have been collaborating. But the the interesting claim that he's made is this: because. He's been getting a lot of attention on his show. That was the wake-up call for me to relaunch What's That Noise. And because I didn't have an episode over an eight-month period, he's entitled to the name and it belongs to him. The way abandonment works in common law for trademarks is the name is not used for three years. Anybody can take it up. Oh, okay. And use it I as their own. Eight months is not three years. So right. unfortunately, the other, this other podcaster is just, he is literally infringing upon our trademark rights. Right. And I, that's okay. Like it, if he wants to keep doing that, that's fine. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna like lose sleep over it or anything mm -hmm. like that. But anyways, we've said enough about this. I just wanted to put it out there that, uh, you know, someone's accused us of doing something that we're not. He is matter of factly infringing upon the trademark of this show. And, and that's fine. But, uh, please know that, uh, the intention here, if you know us is not to make his life complicated. And Even if certainly you not don't there to know attack us, him. that's not our intention. So I think you're right. And and it was unfortunate because um, I, I, I think as well, the way that the world works, it's mostly done through emails and everything like that. And and I think that there was maybe some misunderstanding of tone and 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 things like that in an email where he was taking offense. And I read your email that, that, that you had sent and I was like, I didn't take that. I didn't see that tone. But I guess if you're wanting a fight and you see that and you, you may take it as you know an angry tone or something like that so uh here, here's what we'll do as good canadian boys we're sorry that there's this tension we did not mean for tension to exist it's just simply legalese it it really does come down to that right unfortunately sorry that th this this bout has happened we're not out to get you Stop using our name if you want or don't. I don't really care because the the, the legalese says it's it's our right to continue using it. And, right. Uh, that's that. Perfect. I want to talk about how you deal with other confusion. Sure. All right. Part of the reason why I was excited to have you come on is because I spent all this time over so many years actually broadcasting with you. Right. When I began my 
doctorate. I don't want this story to be about like my story. Yeah, okay. But I just want to give you in the listeners like a bit of background on actually how you and I came to do any broadcasting together. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at a Knights game, a London Knights game. And I was in like one of the the executive boxes. And in Lottie that box, his special guy, <laughs> uh, beside me was Mike Stubbs. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got talking and I told him that I started my doctorate at York University in Toronto. And uh, he said, why don't you come on and, and try broadcasting and, and, and doing like a, a guest expert spot? For, I was really for, nervous and excited. For, for, uh, for, for anybody who, who doesn't know, at the time, Mike Stubbs was uh, doing a show called London in the Afternoon, um, which was at the time the number one rated AM talk show. Yeah, it was really, really popular. Uh, a, a, it was a lot a, of fun. afternoon talk show. Yeah, because, afternoon, yeah. yeah, Steve London Garrison would have had yeah. the number one. So I was talking to to Stubby and he said, why don't you come on and do this guest thing? You can talk about your research. It's super interesting. Surveillance, privacy, blah, blah, blah. I was really nervous, but excited. And it turned into this, this long-term thing for like hundreds of interviews over nearly a decade. Mm-hmm. I would be on, on Stubby's show with the... Al, that Al Guy Coombs, who's right. here right now, because you had your own show and you were co-hosting on his show for a while. Yeah. And that's how we we got to know each other. So for anyone that doesn't know, after all the years in this show where I've mentioned your name and the times that I've been on uh, uh, talk shows in, in London, Ontario, Canada, people associate my voice with your show and your name and your brand oh, really? for, I... for a decade. Wow. So that's my segue. This is how nice. I know Al. Right. And Al's career, his first professional stint, and you correct me if I'm wrong, was as a radio broadcaster, and now you're an educator. And this is the story that I want you to share with us. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it, it goes back even a little bit further. Um, and and uh, I graduated university with an English degree, and uh, people don't want you to just kind of walk up and read to them. So I was kind of like, well, what the hell do I do now? Um, and, and in all seriousness, I, I had in mind uh, that what I was going to do was I was going to be a teacher. but I think, especially right now in London, Ontario, where we're dealing with a teacher shortage, what's amazing is if you look back 15, 20 years ago, there was such a surplus of teachers that they had to make teachers college in Ontario two years just to slow down the amount of people that were, were going into teachers college. And uh, so what, what uh, at the time that I was, that I was applying for teachers college, you know, I, was never, you know, an A plus plus student. Um, I would be able to tell you where all the drink specials were at the university, but I might not be able to tell you where the library was. Um, and I, I had probably a B, B minus average, maybe graduating, which at the time would not get you into a teacher's college. Uh, you might get into, you know, kind of one of the ones that, you know, you sacrifice distance for, you know, if you wanted to go to Lakehead or Nipissing, you might be able to to still get in there because, you know, some not a lot of people want to go, even though they're beautiful campuses and, and wonderful teachers college, you have to commute quite a bit to to get there, right? Um so I, I I wanted to be a teacher, graduated university. It wasn't gonna happen. Uh I got turned down for teachers college just because they were like, Well, no, you need kind of 90 average right now because it's a competitive industry to get into. Uh, so I taught insurance for, for a couple of years or taught insurance. I, I, I was uh, an underwriter for, for, for a few years. And what I did all day was I listened to the radio and I had a pile of paper to my left and it was my job to enter them into the computer and move them to the right. And that was all I did all day. Oh my goodness! And uh, it, there, there was a lot of beautiful things. You know, if I if I was sick, didn't matter to anybody. They had another person that could pick papers up from the left. You guys don't have right. scanners back in 1922. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, but that was it. Like we just kind of that was about it. And uh, I, I was working in downtown Toronto. And Shannon, my my then girlfriend, now wife, was living in Niagara, the Niagara region still. And so. I would, you know, I'm a big baseball fan. And so I would, in the summer, just kind of walk down to uh, Skydome at Rogers Center now and go and watch baseball games and stuff like that. But eventually you just get bored, right? It, you know, everybody always says there's like phases in different people's life where you say, all right, I just want a job and have everybody leave me alone. And then you say, well, jeepers, this is boring. I want a job where, you know, people... I, I'm able to see what I'm working towards. And then you go back and you say, I don't like that. I want a job where where I can just kind of hide out. So what ended up happening was I was listening to radio and I said, boy, that sounds like a lot of fun. And so I gave my notice to uh, uh, to the insurance company at the time. How old were you then? 
Oh, jeepers. Uh, would have been probably 23, 24 wow. years old. Uh, so, and I gave my notice. It was great. I was, you know, made a lot of money. I paid, I was able to pay cash for, uh, quite literally cash uh, for tuition um, at uh, Humber College to learn broadcasting. So I got my certificate for broadcasting, started in Niagara Falls, and uh, uh, then went to St. Catharines. And then eventually uh, St. Catharines said, you know, we don't have a spot here. If you want to move up in the world, there's a guy that talks sports named Mike Stubbs uh, over in London. Do you want to go? Do you want to go to London? And my wife and I, my uh, uh, fiance at the time, I guess we we kind of talked about it and we said, you know, out of all the spots, London's a pretty good spot to move to. Let's go because other people are starting their career in Timmins and you know nothing wrong with Timmins, but again, you're looking at a commute there for the rest of your family and stuff. So we, uh, yeah, uh, long story lingering, made it to London and the radio world just kept shrinking and kept changing hands and shrinking and kept changing hands and shrinking and kept changing hands and shrinking. And before I knew it, I was working at 3.30 in the morning doing a morning newscast I no longer had a show and everybody's like, oh, how did you feel when your show took, like the show so got taken away? This is after you and I had been working together. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, well, how did you feel when your show was taken away? And I said, well, you didn't know I was on the air. So obviously it wasn't that popular of a show. Aww, Not a whole lot of people uh, knew it. But, um, uh, you know, you, you no longer had a show. You you were no longer working because there was so much, so many people that had been let go and moved around and stuff. I was no longer working with people that, you know, I had kind of really felt the most comfortable with working. Um, and I'm doing a newscast, which, you know, I had just spent the last seven years of my career not wanting to be the newscaster. And all of a sudden now I'm trying to, trying to be really regimented and stuff like that. Uh, and so I, 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 um, I was working at three 30 in the morning. I had two young kids and I'm, and a wife that, you know, when I did see them, I was exhausted. And, uh, uh, there was, uh, because we were so short staffed, it was always kind of like, Hey, you got to do this and you got to fill in short here. staff and, because people were being fired. Yeah. Left, right. And center. So yeah, for people yeah, who yeah. don't know, not, this, not fired, let go yeah, due to restructure. <laughs> <laughs> there was a period in this country when um it's still happening right now yeah but for the last what would you say half decade more yeah, than that more than that probably about a decade yeah yeah pe people have been let go in the broadcasting industry in this country in droves yeah i didn't mean to interrupt you please continue no, 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 i just no, wanted no, no. to validate for everybody that like yeah that shrinking you were talking about that it was incredible how many people left that industry. And I remember uh, uh, having a, a wonderful general manager, and uh, I remember him having to let people go and him also being one of the people on the list, which I like. I mean, how callous and heartless does an industry have to be to for, for uh, a wonderful leader uh, that was admired by, by the whole room to be told, Number one, you've got to, you've got to uh, lose your credibility with people, but then on top of that, you don't get to tell them that you're also in there, so that they can kind of at least say misery loves company. I, I just thought that was one of the most heinous things that that could have. Possibly I've had a, a lot of conversations with that general manager about that. Actually, now, have you really? I, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. I know all about that, and it's partly because he's my dad. <laughs> I appreciate that you're. <laughs> I. Well, now that the cat's out of the bag, I, I will say that that it was criminal the way that your dad was taught. It was criminal, or uh, the, the way that he was treated. Excuse me. It was just. It was. I've never. I've never seen, nor would ever, uh, uh, want to see again. Somebody treated that way. I've been around radio stations since I was a little kid because my dad has been a a radio uh, sales manager, a manager, and a, a vice president for had been for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And um, you get to know the community. You get to know how close it is with the city. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, uh, sorry, that was Pickles. He says hi, everybody. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the kind of impact that it has on industry and the impact it has on local economy. Uh, to grow up in the 90s, the, the late 80s and the 90s, and see the radio industry be so strong and pull so many people together, mm -hmm. and then it just sort of evaporates. It took a, a massive toll on my old man to see so many people get let go. It, it, there, there was like a good two-year period where my dad just didn't have that same pizzazz and that same excitement yeah. because of the number of people that he had to say, you can't just stay here anymore. 
And this was happening, you know, at the end of all this time that you and I had been working together. Mm -hmm. And I'd been seeing the wear and tear that it was having on you. And this is where things get really, you know, like personal for Al and I, because it's not just about like me coming into the station to talk with Al or Al just having a job. Like we became friends over all these years. Of course. Yeah. And then my dad was on, on the delivery end of letting most of the people we worked with over the years go. Yeah. So my dad ends up leaving and, um, do you think that was the only reason I didn't get let go? <laughs> I'm you lasted Tara. longer than he did, which is interesting. You're actually one of the only people he didn't fire. Well, do you know what's funny is, is and, and it's funny you tell people in radio, uh, like they say, oh, when were you let go? And I said, oh, no, actually I walked. No, you didn't. Nobody walked That's away. right. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, no, and, and nobody gets that. I right? never thought yeah. I would have an interview in the show where I would talk about confusion and clarity in the sense of like clarity being negative right like i i honestly i tend to and i have this this chart out on the screen right now in front of me where i've got like nouns and verbs and adverbs and and stuff like that in red and green and i i put green on the words that i think are active and validating and progressive oh interesting and that's why clarity is in green so Ah. when i hear a guest say something and I want to lead into a specific question. I often refer to this chart. Gotcha. Okay. But this, th- in this particular instance, red should should be the color for clarity and not green. <laughs> okay. And the reason why I mean that is because it sounds to me like the writing was on the wall. You know what? I, I it's clear. So I I was very lucky in that I was a radio geek. I loved toying around with different sounds. I loved, and for the most part, I was given license to do that. I had uh, wonderful bosses. I had wonderful, um, uh, I had, I mean, your dad was one of these people that that would create this great climate for me to work in as well. Um, uh, I had uh, Mike Stubbs as, as very much a mentor uh, who, I mean, if, if you come to London, everybody knows Mike. Uh, and he's just a wonderful broadcaster and um, a, a sports guy and, and and everything like that. He does the play-by-play he's, play for the London He's even well-known yeah. in, in the NHL yes, broadcasting yeah, yes. world because of uh, how good he is at, yeah. at broadcasting at the CHL level. And, and Mike was pivotal in saying, why don't you try this? Or, you know what, we're going to try this and see what happens. And if it blows up, then we know not to do it again right. anymore, right? And then, uh, then when I got my own show, um, I sat down with another great mind, out of uh, a gentleman out of Windsor, and we sat down and him and I just radio geeked out. And we said, what, what if we changed like where I speak here and what the guest is here and what, what if this was here and what if this was a lot here. Of the engineering that goes and, on the background oh that people don't we, realize. We used to call yeah. it a clock, right? And uh, we, we put together what I, what I will still argue was the best sounding show, not, not necessarily by way of content, but just by way of different markers and the different ways that we were able to build in teases. It was the most thought out, logical uh, in in my mind, and I say this not because I had the ideas, but because I was working with somebody so much smarter than I am, the most brilliantly put together show and put together clock that was in London radio at the time. And again, that's not me being bodacious. That's me me uh, literally sitting down with a very great mind to say, oh yeah, what if we did this and put this in here before the news came here? What if we did this and and things like that? You achieve something and it's important to celebrate that. Yeah, and then and then uh, uh, what ended up happening was, and, and the reason I'm telling you this was because the higher ups in uh, the different, am I allowed to say names of, of different companies that we worked for or anything like that? Yeah, uh, the higher ups at Bell um, thought that I was going to be somebody, they had earmarked me for some sort of a futures program. And uh, there's a gentleman in Toronto named Mike Ben Dixon, who uh, uh, I knew from years and years and years ago, who kept, you know, encouraging me saying, you know, they've got you kind of earmarked here for for moving up in the world, like you're going to be a bigwig and and stuff like that. And eventually I just looked, I said, this is not worth it. Like, what are you what are you going to make me a bigwig of? You're cutting everything. And then because you've cut thing, the sound suffers. And then you say nobody's listening because and, and you're like, well, no. Of course they're not. You made a inferior product. Well, look Why, at like like that would be like me almost saying, you know, like, oh well, we're gonna make shirts, okay, but we don't have enough material for a long sleeve sweater, so we're gonna make tank tops. Oh well, not as many people buy tank tops. Okay, well now we're just gonna make a midriff tank top because we have less material. Well now there's even less people that want it. Okay, well now we're not even selling shirts and we're not making any money. 
well, you took away the sound that people listen to and are now complaining that nobody's listening to it, right? And so what, uh, uh, again, I don't want to keep backtracking, but one of the things that Mike Stubbs and I did that was very successful was before podcasts were successful, our show sounded like a podcast. And people, and the people in, uh, uh, again, I, I shouldn't say the people because it makes it sound like it was direct. The people who didn't understand what we were doing, um, especially the people higher up in, in Bell or Astral or whatever, whoever we were owned at the time, didn't get was that London listeners loved sports. They loved it in segments. They loved it in quick guests. If you didn't get a guest, a quick riff, and then it was done. And they didn't get that at all. And then they started to tinker and buffer and do this. And then all of a sudden people were saying, well, now you lost listeners. I said, well, because you alienated all of them is why. <laughs> and so, yeah, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. At any rate, the, the climate of me having two children and a wife who's a very hardworking teacher um, just became impossible to balance. And I had to walk in and tell my boss, you know what? I can't do it anymore. I'm done. And I remember my boss kind of being shocked. And and again, I had a lot of respect for this boss. He was built. He he was he was handed a, a, a you know a, a what do they call it a bill of bad goods and said you know <laughs> here are the parts make something out of them. Um, and uh, he kind of looked over at me and he was kind of like really like what are you like you know they kind of got you on the futures program and stuff like that. I said it's not worth like I just can't I can't do it anymore. I'm too tired. I, I love my family and I can't, I can't justify, I can't justify giving them my worst all the time. And so I looked and I thought, I don't want to be a teacher because teachers work hard. And I know that nobody believes that, but teachers work hard. And so for some reason in my eye, in my mind, I thought I'm going to be an educational assistant. And so I started to, to do a program called a child and youth uh, child, uh, CYC child and youth, uh, worker and, um, a child and youth care worker. And, uh, at any rate, I started to look at that and I'm like, Ooh, these guys work really hard too. <laughs> I don't know why I thought it, they weren't, but I don't, I show how ignorant I am because now I see that they're, they're hardest working people in the building, but, uh, uh, it was more done. So how can I line up my priorities of my family and my time? Even if it means a pay cut, even if it means, you, you know, a change of career, I started to realize the importance of time and that radio was no longer giving me that. And a lot of people say like that's a, a huge divergent going to education. And then what ended up happening, I took one year, I was uh, offered a job at a private school. I was working at a private school for a number of years. Uh, and then with COVID, they basically said, we don't know what this is going to do with enrollment. Uh, congratulations, you're going to save us X number of thousands a year just by not working here anymore. Um, and I found a program and, and went to teacher's college and and now I, I'm a teacher. But um, j j just quickly kind of flashing back, I, I, think, I think a lot of people look and they say, boy, what a different world. And it really isn't. In radio, I'm taking mass amounts of information that's go all of the news in all of the world that I'm now being given. And I'm trying to say, how can that be relevant to a certain group of people? How do I communicate that effectively to a certain group of people? How do I, what words specifically do I need to use? Do I need to bring other people in like a video or something like that to help them understand it? Which really is teaching. You're taking, you know, mixed fractions for a grade four class. And you're saying with these mixed fractions, I've now got to figure out what all of these numbers really mean to a 10-year-old child and trying to condense that communication. How down. interesting. I have always wondered how it is that you went from that industry to this one. Because I, I think at first glance, you're absolutely correct. What a weird transition, man. <laughs> That's like going from, uh, you know, being a pilot to like making brownies. Right. You know, that's what it looks like to me. And and now that I'm, I'm hearing you talk about it, I can see the similarities. I can see the connects. What I think is really interesting, what's becoming clearer to me in terms of like mitigating the previous confusion that I had about you making that transition is that. All those achievements that you had with Stubby, mm -hmm. 
in in terms of like engineering a specific kind of delivery, a specific kind of vehicle mm-hmm. for delivering content and insights and information that people needed to know. You're doing that now in the classroom. Yeah. Does it do, feel similar to you? Do, do you know what? The, the one thing that I don't like about it is the thing that I always felt very comfortable about uh-huh. with radio was nobody saw you. Right, right. Like there, literally, nobody saw you. So you could, there could be a fire behind you. But as long as you sounded cool, everything's like no, no worries, no worries. The the difficulty that I I like, and that's why like when you'd get a, a a text of somebody saying you're a fucking idiot, and and I'm not you know making up words. Those were legit texts that came. Oh, out I was there. Basis. I saw it come up on yeah, the feed. Exactly. It's, it's and, there's literally a screen dedicated to showing. Text yeah. that would come in with the phone number. Like yeah. there's some really volatile and, stuff. And you're sitting there trying to focus on your point. In the meantime, the message is blowing up with everybody calling you an effing idiot. And you're like, oh my God, I'm trying to focus. Would you guys lay off for a second? Um, but that's why that always struck me as such a shock was I'm like, why are you being like, I can't even see you. You can't even see me. You're going out of your way to listen to me. And now you're just throwing hate around? Like, would you just chill out? Versus now what's funny is you, you've you got like, uh, uh, for example, when I was teaching at a, at a high school, you had 14, 15-year-old kids looking at you and then looking down at their phone. <laughs> and, and you're like, all right, I lost you. I got it. Come on back. But right? so people know. Al does not have a face for radio. Oh, I'm a, you know what? You're a very attractive man. Oh, you know what? I you was, don't, you I didn't was, get into radio because you had to hide your face. No, I got into radio because my Calvin Klein modeling career actually uh, <laughs> fell through. And uh, <laughs> was it a modeling career or was I drunk and just walking around in my underwear? I can't remember. It was one, one of, of the, the two. other. One yeah. of the other. I can't remember. Were you wearing overalls then like you're <laughs> yeah. wearing them now? He literally showed up to podcast today in jean overalls. I was doing a lot of work in the yard. <laughs> he walks in and he's like got mud and dirt on him. He's like, I'm sorry. Is I, this okay? Like, I thought I had enough you time. you podcast in I your thought underwear? I had enough time. I was sitting there. I was I was mowing the lawn and and, and it was, I had to change the gas and I had to get down on my knees and dig through the dirt and stuff. And I thought I had enough time to change. And I look up and I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be there in 10 minutes. I better go on. <laughs> the yeah. broadcaster turned educator, yeah. which which we're learning is not all that that different to go from broadcasting to educating. One of the things that while I was teaching uh, uh, one of the courses in in high school that I realized that people are so naive to, and if I and and I say this not as you know I'm not trying to be a, a guru, a motivational speaker, or anything like that. Please look at what your transferable skills are. People are so blind to their own transferable skills. And it is heartbreaking. And I'd be sitting there talking to these, you know, these these absolutely brilliant 15-year-olds. All of them had so many skills. There's one guy, one guy, he's close to my heart, showed up for class once. He was great. Um, uh, and But every time you saw him in the halls, polite, charming, when he did work, showed intelligence and everything like that. Education is not going to get him a future, but all of those transferable skills of knowing how to treat people, knowing that social game, knowing uh, just like the importance of making eye contact, knowing all of those things, like those are the transferable skills that, all right, you're you're right, you you may not go to Harvard, but man, like you could be the next... Elon Musk, or uh, you, you could be the next, you know, great entrepreneur with those skills, right? And so the, the one thing that I've, I, I've always been blessed with an awareness of is seeing, all right, well, while I was an underwriter uh, for an insurance company, that's an attention to detail that I can now use when I'm marking uh, papers. Uh, while I was an underwriter, I recognized how quickly morale can slip in a building. What can I do to help morale? Uh, while I was in broadcasting, the importance of communicating, the irony being that I just told a very long-winded story that jumped all over the place. So maybe I didn't learn that one, but the, uh, but the importance of knowing the, uh, uh, the ability to communicate effectively. Um, I'm not very well organized. I'm aware of that. I'm, I'm horrible at organizing. However, which is, you know, my biggest, my biggest weakness as a teacher without question, um, but 
also being aware of that weakness kind of does help you emphasize when things are important. I need to make sure that I, I clean this up. I need to make sure this happens. I need to make sure this happens. So that, that, that would be the one thing that I, I would say to anybody that is looking right now and saying, COVID, I'm trying to get used to a new job or I lost my job. I'm where I don't want to be. Have a look at what your transferable skills are because I will guarantee you whatever you've been through going back over the last 20, 25 years has set you apart from somebody else in some way, and you can draw on that experience and do better than other people with it. Back in early audio engineering, one of the things that um, those scientists wrestled with was this idea that um, noise in a communication system is the antithesis of of content, of mm -hmm. data, of information, of messages, really of messages and their meaning. Mm. Because the more that somebody turns up the noise inside of a signal, the more it breaks apart, the more difficult it can be to actually understand what's being communicated. And I just gradually turned my own volume up <laughs> on my recording software. I'm just getting it right back to the right spot here. I'm looking down at knobs while I'm trying to yeah. talk to you. But I, I did that to illustrate a very simple point. When you get too much of that noise, you have to find a way to make it go away mm -hmm. because otherwise people can't understand what it is that you're trying to say right. when you're communicating in a, an electronic system, like right. listening to a podcast. But also, the person sending the message has to deal with that noise as well. Mm -hmm. But that noise isn't always just in in the signal. Right. It's also in your heart. Oh, It's beautiful. also in, in your body. Yeah. Feel it. Noise isn't just something that exists in an electronic system. Yeah. Noise we feel in our minds. What was the noise that you dealt with personally trying to make that transition? And this is the thing that I think people are really going to learn from. Yeah, I... I drove my wife crazy when I was thinking about leaving radio because I, I was and, and as much as I, I, I knock uh, the uh, uh, bell who was the company that owned us when I left as much as I knocked them, I they were never laid on a paycheck. I was paid very well for my job. Um, the the uh, I was safe. I was in a safe environment. Um, and so I had a lot of positives that that were there. Um, all the stuff aside, when I sat down to actually do my show, I had a blast. I had fun when people just let me work. I found the job interesting. So there was a lot of positives. Um, but I was exhausted. And fatigue takes so much out of you. Like, I don't think people understand just how tiring, and I shouldn't say that because there are a lot of people that are in, in, in a much worse spot than I was, and I totally recognize that. Um, but the the... It is so hard when you're forced to be in a, a role that you don't feel like is your role. Um, you're exhausted. The people that that are the best people in your life are are you feel like you're not giving them your best. Um, you 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 laugh with them one minute and then you're asleep in the corner the next. You know, I uh, um, the noise I think was just this constant constant feeling of being behind the eight ball and never being to uh, being able to get going again and having like that uh that memory of you know it was only four or five months ago that I felt like I was on the uh you know was in front of the eight ball and now here I am I feel so far behind it I can't even see it for crying out loud and so the noise was mostly kind of like this personal pressure that I was letting myself down letting the people that I really cared about down um, and then the transition was really interesting moving away from radio. Uh, I ended up having, uh, I, I think, you know, an anxiety attack or, or, um, I, I don't even know what you call it. Um, but just a complete and utter breakdown because I left radio thinking this is going to be wonderful. This is going to be a great move. And what ended up happening was I didn't realize how much I identified with that role. And I swore that I would never become that. Like, I mean, I, I I think you probably count on one hand the amount of times that, like, you and I even talk about work, really. Like, like I, I don't usually think that I would identify, my name's Alan Coombs, broadcaster. But as soon as I didn't have that label anymore, I didn't really know how to label myself because I hadn't been a good father for for so long. I hadn't been a great husband for, for a couple months. I'd been sleeping so much and so exhausted that I didn't feel comfortable saying that either, right? And so, so the noise for me was kind of like this constant 
uh, uh, running around frantic, trying to do who I uh, trying to be who I was before and uh, who am I now? And if you know, am I a title? Am I not a title? There was kind of this lost self and all of this chaos around. Uh, you talk about the noise around. I just kind of picture this like you're grasping at these butterflies of who you were. Right. And you're jumping up and down trying to grab it. And you're just kind of like in this void the rest of the time. So insightful in so many different levels. And I'm so grateful for you just like being so um, easygoing about being vulnerable and, and sharing mm. all these these personal things because you weren't resisting the noise that you were experiencing at the time, in my opinion. It sounds to me like you're really listening to it. I was trying the, to, yeah. The noise is, again, it's not just in a signal. It's like something you were feeling at the time and something that you're really wrestling with um, to the extent that like, you had to start making decisions mm -hmm. and you use that as a guide mm -hmm. to sort of push past it. And your noise was your fatigue mm -hmm. and your noise was like your discomfort. Thank you for analyzing it. Yeah. It was funny. Like when you said the noise, I'm kind of like, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, you're able to put terms on that for me. Thank you. Yeah. My, my pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and why I think this is so helpful and, and part of the reason why I love doing this show with you is there's a lot we can learn from you. I think there's a lot of people out there who feel the way you do right now. Mm. Uh, I was just meeting one of the the previous guests, a, a longtime friend of What's That Noise, Ben Muller. Oh, nice. This yeah, morning. Yeah, yeah. For, uh, Tell Ben I for said breakfast. Yeah. I will. Yeah, yeah. He'll probably <laughs> hear right now. Hi, Ben. How you doing? Still full? <laughs> I am. <laughs> a lot of, uh, sorry, Ben and I were talking about the fact that there seems to be like a labor shortage in so many industries. Uh, for a long time before the pandemic, people assumed that there would be all these extra open spots in different industries because of the the baby baby boomers retiring. Right. But also there's a lot of people leaving industries because they're exhausted. Yeah. It's a lot of people that have gone through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I think feeling the way that you did, mm -hmm. but you did it before the pandemic happened. And mm -hmm. so what's, what's been fascinating for me to learn from you uh, throughout this last three years, as I've been dealing with my own professional struggles and trying to find the right home and I'm, I'm situated now, but you know, it's been a rocky path. Yeah is that like you've had the insight and the clarity. You came into the pandemic with a, a goal and a, a, an objective in mind. You were in teacher's college. You were accomplishing it. Yeah. You were, you were pushing past the noise that was telling you maybe it's time to, for, for a change and you'd figure out what that change was and here you are. Yeah. But there's well, so many people tuning in right now who are probably, again, dealing with that same sort of noise. What, what would you tell them? Well, and, 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 and I have a, a huge asterisk with anything that I would, I would say is I was very, very lucky where my wife did not lose a job. She's, she's a teacher. And so she had job security and has a good wage yeah, and yeah. pension. And so I had so many securities that I know a lot of people don't have. Um, but what I, what I would, what I would say is uh, uh, all of those benefits aside, it's still, it's it sucks when you lose your job, right? Uh, here's somebody that comes over and they say you're not good enough to keep on file anymore. You know, and you're like, there's no way of of wounding that, right? Um, I took a you know a week to lick my own wounds and and stuff like that, as I think a lot of people should. But I remember reading something, uh, and I'm trying. To, it was probably a Brene Brown book or or something along those lines. But try to rem like try to think of how ludicrous this is. We're in a society right now that we don't just boast about working hard, but we'll even boast about how sick we are because we work so hard. Oh, I am so tired. I could barely stay awake for my drive because I was up till 2 a.m. doing this and this and this and this. Wow, and this. that is so insightful. Right? It's like, so true. Right? And, and so true. oh my gosh, you know, uh, oh, I couldn't get Wi-Fi to check my email while I was on vacation. And uh, I couldn't get Wi-Fi to check my email while I was on vacation and away from work. I said, but you're on vacation. You shouldn't be away. Oh, sure. Like, I want to come back to the mess of me not being there when uh, for, for a week, right? <laughs> um, what, what I will... And, and I do this exercise regularly well before the pandemic and, and everything like that. Uh, my parents, uh, again, this, I, I recognize how privileged this makes me sound. My parents have uh, a cottage just north of Kingston. And I love visiting there because when I say cottage, people think summer home. No. This is four walls, a roof. There is running water, uh, but you have roommates. It's a cabin. It, a cabin. A cabin, right? And in October... When it's when it gets cold, my wife says, "Al, this is your time for your retreat, and I'll go up there, and I'll spend a couple of days with as little as I can possibly bring." So I have a peanut butter. I, I bring a loaf of bread, a small jar of peanut butter, a small jar of jam. That's my food. 
No beer? No. I, I don't normally drink drink up at the cottage anyways. Uh, usually there's too much going on. That's and the place I, to drink. I, well, and that's what I write. <laughs> you got it all backwards. I mean, there's too much going on. There's birds and there's trees and everything like and that. And a retreat is this. But, but I try I try to go in and I try to say, what's the least that I can, yeah. I can, I can go with? Uh, what I would challenge people that are in a space to do this. And again, I recognized I'm privileged and a, and a little bit of an exception to, to all of this is if you're in a place where you've lost your job and you're looking for work and you've found a job that maybe you, you, you don't, this might be a good time to say, what would be the least that I could like, where is that line of happiness? Where, what, what does that like, at what point do you make $40,000 and say, I'm living a good life. Does 50,000 make a better life? Does 52,000 make the best life? That would be the only thing that I would challenge because I did a lot of reflecting on that when I lost my job and just thinking I'm able to spend every morning with my kids. I was able to, I had the, the best lawn in the whole neighborhood, I tell you, because I had nothing <laughs> to do but pick weeds for crying out loud. And again, how privileged is that? I had a lawn, I had a backyard. I recognize that, right? But maybe that's all you need is, would I be happy just in a lawn somewhere? And what I found was, Yes, I would be. That's not the ideal, but I could find happiness within that. Where would my, my happiness be? And I don't want to go guru on you. I recognize there's smarter people with more spiritual training than I have. And, and you know, I, I, I totally get that. But that, that for me was, I remember coming across that thought and saying, I've lost my job. What am I going to do now? And I'm just thinking, well, I can focus on happiness for a little while. And when I got into teaching, it was the same thing is I'm not going to take all these courses that are going to give me all of this and all of this and all of this. I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing this to have fun and and to spend time with people I genuinely care about uh, and and help the students learn things and help the parents understand how their parent their their students are learning and uh, their kids are learning and and things along those lines. And that that might be the only challenge that I would give is there's comfort in knowing that you're already further ahead than you think you are. Right. There's there's that comfort in saying, all right, you know what? I wish I had a mansion, but boy, oh boy, do I have this nice apartment or, you know, uh, uh, I, I remember sitting in the backyard saying, I wish I had another 10 feet, but boy, did I ever make these feet look nice? You know, stuff like that. Right. Uh, I think that there was a comfort in that that really kind of helped me through kind of a lot of that processing. Or you can have four walls up north of Kingston and some pb and j without that's, beer and that's, you'd be fine that's right i had i had pb and j i brought up a jug of water and, and and a bag of peanuts the bag of peanuts was for the chipmunks though so i was surrounded by friends did you bring a radio so you could listen to the jays games um i i'm trying to remember what i well no because it would have been october and unfortunately the blue jays haven't had a lot of october success uh <laughs> uh so uh the leafs would have been I'm trying to what I did with the Leafs. I must have had a radio or something because I would have been listening to the Leafs. We, yeah. we talked a couple times while I was up there and rest assured everybody, when I was living in Kingston, he wasn't that far away. He would come back through town and we go for a beer. So it's not right. like he didn't go to the cottage and not have a beer. No, 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 no. So, so, but this would be like my, my October retreat. During the summer, oh boy, I know where, yeah, you pass through a major town called Verona uh, and uh, they have an LCBO beer store. Um, they have an LCO beer lcbo beer store and grocery store all attached to each other could you get married there and register a gun as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually as you go in they hand you a gun they're just like here you go you made it yeah this has been so insightful man thank you for being the guest on the show that you co-host yeah. this is uh, yeah. this is really 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 cool for all of us to take away and think about we know that there are so many people that listen to the show that are going through the same kind of professional transitions and are, are dealing with the same kinds of noises and confusion that uh, Al has been dealing with over the past couple of years, but the the grass can be greener on the other side. That's right. But yeah, sometimes you, it's a matter of perseverance and listening and, and find uh, out what, find out what your motivation is. I mean, if you're motivated by money, all right, find the steps to get you there, but I, I will guarantee you that there's better motivation than just money. Thanks for tuning into another episode of What's That Noise? If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you have a topic or guest in mind, don't hesitate to get in touch at WTNCast. Stay tuned for bi-weekly episodes. And until next time, keep listening to the noise. <laughs> <laughs>